Fight Podcast, hosted by Sergio Vicente. The Fight Podcast is brought to you by Sage Eats. Sage Eats is a Chicago-based healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring company. They deliver healthy, organic, custom meals directly to your home or office. For those of you not in Chicago, Sage Eats also offers online fitness mentoring where your personal fitness mentor will send you four weeks worth of workouts that are customized to your body and your goals. Your mentor is available seven days a week to answer questions and offer support. Sign up for Sage Eats at W www.sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 20% off your first three months. Now here's your host of the FIGHT podcast, Sergio Vicente. Good morning, the FIGHT podcast listeners. I'm your host, Serge Vicente, and you're listening to episode 114 of the FIGHT podcast. Yo, This past weekend was incredible. We had so many fire, fire events. Obviously, we had the WBC Championship heavyweight bout that all of us were looking forward to, headlined by Deontay the Bronze Bomber Wilder. And we also had UFC Fight Night ESPN Plus 10 uh, in Rochester, New York. We're going to touch on that. We're going to talk about this weekend's winners and losers, what's next for all the winners and losers. Um, I'm also going to have an opportunity to sit back, talk about all the top performances of the weekend, um, some of the fun news of the weekend, as well as, come on now, our winners and losers of the weekend as well, man. So we're going to touch on that and so much more in today's episode. Remember, this week, as always, we're brought to you by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meals and fitness mentoring. Sign up for Sage Eats at sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 15% off of your first three months. All right, now, let's go ahead and jump on into the show. Also, remember, the Fight Podcast is brought to you each week on all podcasting platforms, man. Let everybody know. All right, so you know where I want to start. And I think this, especially when it comes to combat sports, it's proven. It's consistently proven that once heavyweight boxing, and there are big names in heavyweight boxing, the world stops. The world pays attention. Everybody cares when giant men scrap. So this weekend was no different. Yes, There was an incredible UFC card. Yes, one championship had a card. Did it matter? I mean, look, they mattered. We paid attention, but nothing was quite like the event that we had this past weekend at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York. Deontay Wilder, the Bronze Bomber, went out there and competed against Dominic Brazil. And what all of us have to admit, yo, this is a KO of the year contender. Deontay the Bronze Bomber Wilder goes out there and adds another victim to his record, man. A 40th knockout. 41 wins. 40 knockouts. One draw. Holy hell, man. This dude, and look, I'm going to be saying, I don't know if this is a hot take or not. Deontay Wilder is by far the most exciting heavyweight that we have had since a prime Mike Tyson. 
I'm going to say it again, just for y'all in the back, just in case. Deontay, the bronze bomber Wilder, is by far the most exciting heavyweight champion that we have had since a prime Mike Tyson. Look, man, Buddy is must-see TV, especially when he's at the Barclays Center. He has some of his most epic wins. Luis Ortiz. Bermain Stavern. And now to go ahead and throw a little bit somebody else on there. Dominic Brazil, man. Um, let, let me let me break down this fight a little bit. And obviously, there was absolutely beef. And this was really talked about a lot before the fight because it had to stir up some kind of controversy, right? Seems like a couple years ago on one of Deontay Wilder's undercards, he and Dominic Brazil out of California seemed like they had a little tension. They scuffled a little bit. Seems like Deontay Wilder sucker punched Dominic Brazil. They haven't liked each other ever since. So Dominic Brazil leading up to this fight was saying how he was going to beat up Deontay Wilder. He was going to be the first to knock him out. And Deontay Wilder was adamant that he was going to go ahead and not only win, this dude was talking about catching a body. For those of us who don't know what catching a body is, Deontay Wilder and a lot of people were bent out of shape when he actually admitted that, look, man, I am down to kill somebody in the ring. This is what we do. We're gladiators. We go out there and scrap. And he thoroughly felt that way and he went out there and, and performed now. Come on, man. We all know that's hyperbole. We all understand as fight fans, as fight fanatics, that, look, he doesn't mean it. He's just talking. Mike Tyson used to say things like that. I'm going to eat your children. I said, I talked about it last episode of the show. Mike Tyson told somebody at one point in time, I'm going to fuck you until you love me. And then called him the F word. Fam. And it's not fam. You know what I'm saying? So this is a part of the sport. And I think a lot of people just, especially this day and age, get a little bit bent too out of shape in terms of what athletes, especially fighters say. Okay. These are gladiators. We have to let that rock. Um, The first round kicks off. Barclay Center is going absolutely bananas. Sold out crowd at the Barclay Center. Now, I will say this. I don't have the exact numbers to this point, but later on this week, I'll go ahead and break down the actual numbers and how the, the gate and everything for this event. But it was bananas in there. It was a who's who. You saw all the stars. Stephen A. Smith, Rosie Perez. We got athletes in there. Brendan Schaub. There's so many. Everybody was in there looking forward to watching this event. The fight starts off, and one thing that I noticed off the bat was, look, when Deontay Wilder, and I've said this on the show, when he is at his best, he fires one of the cleanest jabs ever seen in the heavyweight division. And right from the jump, blah, blah, you heard it, man. It sounded like a rifle. He absolutely was sharp and focused from the beginning, right off the onset, from landing a huge, you know, jab, big right hands. He seemed faster. He seemed more sharp. Obviously, he seemed more powerful. And, and Dominic Brazil didn't seem as if he had an answer for that. Halfway through the first round, Deontay Wilder finally stings Dominic Brazil with a huge right hand. 
What happened that was different between this right hand and right hands that we've seen in the past with Deontay Wilder is this one truly came straight down the pipe. No wasted motion, no windmills, nothing. Right from his chin to his opponent's chin. Beautiful thing to watch. Look, if you see it in slow motion, Dominic Brazil's face literally goes from one shoulder and stops because it hits its opposite shoulder. But he hit his right shoulder. He got hit so hard. He gets rocked. Deontay Water goes in for the kill. Dominic Brazil gets him off him by landing some, let's be honest, some illegal shots in the back of the head. After a short clinch, a short breakup, Deontay Water goes out there and completely, in the best way I could explain this, it looks as if my man detonated a bomb on Deontay, on Dominic Brazil's face. Cracks him. Uh, two and a half minutes into the very first round. Drops Dominic Brazil. He can't answer the 10 count. Deontay Wilder wins this epic event on just vicious knockout. Like I said before, we could already almost put this down for KO of the year. This moves Deontay Wilder up to, listen to this, in his career, he has a 95.2% KO rate. And because of this win, this ends up being Deontay Wilder's ninth title defense. Let me, let me let you know where that pretty much ranks in history. Deontay Wilder's ninth title defense ties him with Muhammad Ali's first run at heavyweight champion, or um, Joe Frazier, Mike Tyson, Lennox Lewis's second run. And now the aforementioned Deontay Wilder is in that same mix. Just to let you guys know, man, the uh, all-time record is uh, Joe Lewis. He had a 25, um, 25 uh, title defenses at heavyweight, which is thoroughly incredible, man. But look, man, we have to say and admit now that Deontay Wilder is in that same category of Hall of Fame heavyweight competitors, man. Dude is going to be an all-time legend. And like I said before, nobody throws punches, and we haven't seen anybody this excited in heavyweight division since then, man. So um, what the, so I had a couple questions when I was thinking about this. And, and truly, because after the fight, Luis Ortiz, whom um, Deontay Wilder has already beaten, came in the K in the ring, and it seemed like they really wanted to get him in there, which, look, neither here nor there. If that fight happens, that's not what I want to see, but I wouldn't be mad at it. Let's just put that out there and leave it there. But what style, realistically, if we sit there and break it down, can actually defeat Deontay Wilder? And I had to think about it, man. Think about whom has actually given him, given, given him trouble. If you are a right-handed, you know, conventional fighter, unless you are the best boxer in the world with incredible defense, and let's be honest, at heavyweight, that doesn't really happen. So with that being said, when you actually boil it down, think about it, you have to be an enormously tall an upper echelon boxer, that's first and foremost, right? With, with incredible head movement and timing. If you do not have that and you are not the best of the best at that, you have to be one of the best southpaws in the game. Because I'm going to be honest with you, he does not do well against southpaws. He can't get his jab off the same way. And that's what really really made him struggle against Luis Ortiz. And that's why, I mean, personally, 
I don't want to or need to see that fight again. And realistically, look, what's next for Deontay? Obviously, a lot of us want to say, oh, Anthony Joshua. That should be the fight. But Anthony Joshua, especially afterwards, Anthony Joshua, um, before this fight, he also fought Dominic Brazil. He KO'd Dominic Brazil in the seventh round after a rough first few rounds. He even said before this fight, look, I don't care what happens. I just want to make sure Deontay Wilder knocks him out after the eighth round so that I have a better performance. Well, son, that didn't happen. He got KO'd all the way in the first. So do do you believe that Anthony Joshua's team that already has been hesitant on fighting Deontay Wilder, you think Anthony Joshua's people are going to put him out there now? I highly doubt it. Highly doubt it. So we don't see that happening. Um, Tyson Fury. Can that happen? Yeah, that, that can happen. But I don't know how top rank is going to go ahead and utilize that. So we'll end up seeing what Bob Ehrman, Bob Ehrman top rank does. But yes, that should be the fight. Obviously, AJ, Anthony, Josh, they both have to go out there and actually uh, and Tyson Fury have to win their next bout that they both have coming up. Not saying that they have unwinnable matchups. They still have to win. We never know what's going to happen in boxing. I didn't know what was going to happen in this, this fight. So, look, we'll see what is happening there. And the last man on the list is the guy in the ring, Luis Ortiz. Now, does that fight make sense? I guess. I believe he's one of the mandatories. But if you're on Deontay Wilder's team, you beat him in devastating fashion. And he was one of, if not his most difficult matchup. Why give him an opportunity? And look, I'm not saying that Deontay doesn't want the smoke, but as a business, I don't think it's a good idea, at least at this point in time. So look, at the end of the day, we'll end up seeing what happens. Um, Deontay Wilder has all the cards at this point in time. He is proving now. Look, this wasn't even on pay-per-view. You know people on Showtime went ahead and saw it. I'm sure it peaked. Everybody loves it. So people are going to end up watching, and he is must-see TV. Everybody wants to see Deontay Wilder knock people's faces off. He's great on interviews. He has all the charisma. He has an incredible story. The reason that he started fighting was because of his daughter's spinal lobifida. So he has the good guy thing, but he also is a dog in there. So we will continue seeing him rise. And let's not forget when we're talking about ESPN's early this year was released. Who are the... Most popular athletes in the world. Number 34 was Deontay Wilder, and that was higher than any other boxer in the game today. It says a lot, man. Um, all in all, incredible fight, incredible event um, at the Barclays Center. Gary Russell Jr. also went out there, got a unanimous decision as we all anticipated. He looked incredible, and since then, he's been calling out uh, Javante Davis. That's a fight I want to see. Um, I'll talk about it a little bit more when I actually hone into boxing later on. But um, hey, keep that in mind, man. All in all, boxing is looking beautiful. Um, uh, Billy Joe Saunders, the Tyson Fury's best friend, uh, moved up to 168 pounds. And now he seems like um, he might end up filing Caleb Smith, which might be an incredible fight, man, at 168. A lot of fun, man. So we'll see what ends up happening in boxing. Um, great event though, man. Um, but, uh, 
let's go ahead and move the party right along because we have some UFC, man. Uh, this weekend was also UFC Fight Night ESPN Plus 10. Um, and that was in Rochester, New York. Dude, this was a fun event. This really was a fun event. Um, didn't have the biggest star power in the world. I know a lot of people didn't know all the names. Um, but ever since this ESPN Plus deal, and you know how I feel about this. I'm not happy in terms of the way that fighters aren't really getting the love, the organization now, because they're with ESPN. They have that nut. They have the money. They don't have to negotiate in the same capacity with a lot of their fighters. But at the same time, as fans, we're getting all the matchups and we're getting a lot of fun matchups. I said this on my Twitter feed. Yo, get a chance to check it out if you haven't already. At, on Twitter, I'm at the Surge Vicente. And I'm always live talking about and live streaming all the uh, main combat sports events. So go on Twitter at the Surge Vicente and check me out. But um, on there, I'm always talking. And I've said this. Yo, Sean Shelby, all of you guys who are matchmaking for this UFC events this past week, incredible job. Incredible job. Yo, they did a far better job than one championship did this week. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but incredible job. Nine finishes in this event. Yo, we rarely get that. How many times have we actually watched these events and we actually get an event that's entertaining we have a lot of finishes think about it out of 13 fights we get nine finishes that doesn't happen so um great event man i'm gonna go ahead and talk about obviously the main event kevin lee uh versus sanjos and um i'm gonna do that and also talk about some of our other top performers but we're gonna go ahead and start with the main event um first of all in rochester new york um the attendance at the gate was 8,132. Um, they made $643,840.50. Fight of the night was um, Aspen Ladd versus Chris Eubank. And performance of the night was Pihera, um and Dawson. I'll talk about Pihera's fight on this as well, man. But look, it was a good fight. Um, isn't the biggest venue. Um, I can't wait to see what the ESPN Plus numbers were, but... Look, man, it, it was it definitely was a fun event. Kevin Lee, Rafael Dos Anjos. This was an event that Kevin Lee um, finally moved up to a buck seventy. He left um, fifty five. Cut was too much for him. Now he's at one hundred and seventy pounds. Even to the point that during this event, during his weigh in, he woke up the night of the weigh in, which is this past Friday, and he only had to cut one pound, which is different from the day usually where he has to cut 12 pounds a day of, of, uh, of weigh-ins. So for him, it seems like it is a better uh, cut. Rafael Dos Anjos is somebody who, let's be honest, man, he's fought the who's who since he's moved up to 170. Remember, Rafael Dos Anjos was somebody who was for a long time, one of the best and goes down as one of the greatest 155-pound lightweight champions of all time before he moved up to, to, to welterweight. He's already fought at welterweight and beaten Robbie Lawler. He's fought the champion, Kamara Usman. He's fought the former intern champion, Colby Covington. And now he's fighting um, uh, Kevin Lee. This fight was entertaining. The first fight, Kevin Lee looked good. He really did look good at um at 170 pounds. 
He looks big for the weight class. His back was enormous, man. And he physically did look bigger than Rafael Dos Anjos, who is known to get to over 200 pounds between fights. His striking looked good. He looked explosive. But one thing that I think everybody noticed in this fight is that he ended up gassing. And the moment that he ended up gassing, and look, I'm not saying that he gassed because of the the new weight class. Something that Rafael Dos Anjos did say is that his first fight at 170 pounds, he caught himself being exhausted. I don't know if it's the adrenaline dump that a lot of fighters end up receiving or it's just that that's just what happens. You're exhausted. You know, you're not used to carrying that type of weight. You're not used to carrying your opponent's weight. He's also accustomed to being the bigger guy in the weight class. So when you look at those type of things that it, it just didn't work out to the same way. He started slow. Um, Yes, it could have been all those different facets that I spoke of. But at the same time, when you actually think about it, it also could have been the pace that Rafael Dos Anjos puts. This was a barn burner from the jump. They were throwing shots. It was extremely entertaining. All in all, Rafael Dos Anjos was able to not only establish his striking, which he did, um, he was he was able to establish his grappling, a knock on Rafael Dos Anjos, who was coming off a two fight losing streak. Remember, this is off a two fight losing streak and he has never actually um, had a two fight losing streak. But coming off of that losing streak, man, um, he's lost to guys who ideally are better wrestlers than him, bigger, more physical. So a lot of people thought Kevin Lee was actually going to take that game plan into account. And he didn't seem to go ahead and do so. Um, I actually have a couple of uh, stats on RDA that I wanted to bring up. And um, some of those are this. Check this out. Rafael Dos Anjos, man, is an all-time great. Now, we have to acknowledge the fact that he's an all-time great. He has 18 UFC wins, man. We forget how long this dude has been fighting a UFC, which is tied for six months in history. Ever since moving up to welterweight, he's 4-2, which is nothing to sneeze at, man. UFC's 55 and welterweight division at 170 pounds are the two best divisions arguably in the sport, man. So there's no, no knock in that. Um, he obviously avoided a three-fight losing streak, and now he has five main event wins. So, yo, RDA is big time. We can't knock that. He's absolutely big time. He's absolutely um, incredible to watch. Now, um, with that being said, great win for him. Um, I, I say all this to say he ended up getting a fourth round uh, triangle choke uh, submission. Um, was incredible, man. Great win for him. He now moves on. Uh, and we have to think about what's next, right? Um, what I look at, and, and I want to bring up, um, and I'll talk about Kevin Lee in a second, but when I think about RDA, there's so many matchups. He is absolutely still at the top of that weight class. Um, but who would we like him to see? I think the perfect matchup that's right there. We thought we might get something with uh, Jorge Masvidal on this guy. But yo, Leon Edwards. Leon Edwards is on, I believe, something like a seven-fight win streak. He's on a huge win streak. He's beat Donald Cerrone. He's beaten Gunnar Nelson. Now he needs somebody near the top. I think Rafael Dos Anjos and him stylistically will be an incredible matchup. Great striking, great all-around fighting, man. Um, Leon Edwards, Rafael Dos Anjos is the fight that they should make. They should make. But what is the fight that they could make? We forget 
Rafael dos Sanjos, UFC 206 was slated to compete for the 155-pound title against none other than Conor McGregor. This fight almost happened again last year. They want to make this for an interim title fight, Conor McGregor versus Rafael dos Anjos, but obviously, your boy Conor got weird and threw a dolly through a window, so that didn't come to fruition. Think about that. Conor doesn't have somebody. This would be an incredible payday, and this would be a great way for Conor to get back into the mix. He's coming back later on this year. It'll be a perfect opportunity, and it's something that people have been waiting to see. Look, man, I'm not saying that that's going to happen, but that's my hot take of the day. I think that could possibly and would be a smart business move to make for both guys moving forward. All right, Kevin Lee. I'm not going to lie to you, man. I, I, I feel bad for the dude. I really do. He seems like every time he gets to the top, he has some sort of setback. He could have fought for the tie. He, he, he fought for an interim chip. Tony Ferguson had staph infection, seemed like he gassed. He fought Ally Quinta. This is, you beat Al, you got the number one, you, you're the number one guy out there. He ends up getting beat up. Now he moves up in weight, fresh weight class, fresh coat of paint. What's going to happen next? He beats Rafael dos Anjos. He's in title contention. He takes an L. This worries me for the dude, man. I really believe that he was absolutely at a crossroads in his fight. Who should he fight next? I think somebody who will be incredible for him to fight, I would say somebody along the lines of somebody who is in the top 15, but maybe not ranked. I would venture to say somebody like Alex Oliveira. Alex Oliveira is somebody who's always entertaining, always extremely tough, but he's always going to be somewhere around between 12 and 7 and 15, right? Not going to be the best guy. Not ever going to really win a title, but he's going to be tough. One of those gatekeeper type of dudes. Let Kevin Lee get his nut off essentially with somebody like that. Somebody who's solid. He can build a name up, build some confidence, get some momentum. He's only 26 years old. We forget about that. Kevin Lee is only 26. We've heard his name for a long time. But he's young, fam. He's a baby. He's still learning. He's developing. And we forget he did lose his coach, Robert Fallis, via suicide last year. He's still trying to figure it out, guys. Um, I did feel bad for him. And he did say something via social media. And I want to play that for you guys right here. Who I'm talking to. But I don't know. Don't know what happened out there tonight. Thought I did everything right leading up to this fight. Tried to eliminate every little distraction, everything that wasn't good for me. I swear I felt like something, everything was just falling into place and was talking to me even before I walked out there. Still wasn't enough, you know. This shit sometimes would be like high as highs and low as lows. It should really make you question what you believe in. But I don't know. You know, I've been through a lot of shit in my life. This ain't really ain't gonna be shit. What I'm doing. 
All right, man. That, that, that was obviously a little sad. Um, you can see he's down. That was right after he fought. Um, that was from the hospital. He was taken to the hospital directly after the fight. Um, because, I mean, look, man, he did get pretty beat up in that event. Um, when you think about Kevin Lee, I, I, I played that for you for a couple of reasons. One, he was extremely candid. And I always give props to fighters who are in tune with their emotions, especially directly after a fight. And, and I want to show the humanity in a lot of these people. People were talking shit about Rose, Rose Namajunas after she lost um, last weekend. And she was like, look, I don't, wanna, I don't know if I want to do this shit anymore. Yo, people, MMA is hard. Think about everything that you go through. The, the trials and tribulations of camp. Physical, mental, all the draining, media obligations, everything that these athletes have to go through, and not to mention the embarrassment of losing a fight in in front of thousands of people. Yo, I, I I've lost an amateur fight before. Um, and it was one of the most embarrassing things in my life. I felt like I wanted to crawl in a hole and die. And I only had like 300, okay, it was more, like 500 people in a room. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's, it It affects you as a person. Um, and I think people really need to be there and support their athletes, even afterwards, yo, especially when they go out there and fight as valiantly as Kevin Lee did, man. He'll be back. It sucks, I know. But at the end of the day, man, it, it is what it is. And, and that's the game we play, man. Um, all right. Other top performers of uh, the UFC uh, fight card, Rochester, man. And again, there were a lot of people who really crushed it. I want to have you have to. You have to talk about your boy. The UFC's top submission artist in the world in the game. Number one submission artist. We got to go with Charles Oliveira. Um, also fighting at 155 pounds. Goes out there and beats Nick Lentz. For the second time, this was their trilogy. The first fight was a draw. The next fight, um, he, uh, Charles Oliveira finishes Nick Lentz for his fifth straight finish. Check this out, man. Uh, Charles Oliveira has 14 stoppages in his UFC career, 13 submissions. This is his first, uh, or I'm sorry, 12 submissions, four, uh, two stoppages. So second most in UFC history. He is now tied with Anderson Silva and Vitor Belfort. Yo, think about how crazy that is. This dude, whom has never fought for a title, is, is tied with some of the greatest fighters of all time. Um, now, as impressive as it is, and he has looked extremely impressive, yo, it's time for us to start giving Charles Oliveira some more ranked opponents. Because I can't lie, if you look at his record, and especially we look at who he's done recently, five straight finishes, it can be a bit deceiving, right? None of his last five opponents have been ranked opponents. Think about that. Yes, he's won, and he's somebody that all of us have always said, yo, he's incredible. He looks great. He's one of the best of the best. He has all the skills, and it seems like he's finally starting to put it together. He's only 29 years old. He's starting to finally put it together. Is he? He's always had this, this skill set. He's always been great, but he's never beat the top guys. 
And if you look at his record, yes, his last five opponents he's beaten. But like I said, none of them were ranked. Here are his last ranked opponents. Paul Felder, he got KO'd. Ricardo Lamas, he got finished. Anthony Pettis, he got finished. Max Holloway, he got finished. Those are his last four ranked opponents that he's fought. He got finished by all of them. I think that says a lot. I think it does. Now, does it say that he hasn't finally got over the hump? No, it doesn't. And maybe he has. But I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not sold just yet. Because, yes, he's beating the guys that he's supposed to beat. Now it's time to give him some smoke. Let's see what he really has in that 155-pound division. So, look, we'll see what happens. But all in all, man, you, you got to love um, what he's been doing. Um, you have to love how he's developing. And, look, is he, is he elite? If that's the question, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know. I don't know. And I don't think any of us are going to know. But... I'm sure he's relatively close, man. So salute to the man, Charles Oliveira. I went out there and did work, man. Um, the other performer that I really want to talk about, and the other, this actually ended up being fight of the night, was Aspen Ladd versus Jarl Eubanks. Eubanks is moving up to 135 pounds, and Aspen Ladd is now 8-0 in the 135-pound division. 8-0 in her career, 8-0 in that division. Um... She looks like, uh, you know, a little kid. She fights like a beast. Extremely technical. Fantastic on the ground. Solid striking. This wasn't an entertaining fight, man. Um, Aspen Ladd ended up landing 85 strikes, three takedowns, and threatened with submissions throughout the entire fight. Um, she's elite, man. Um... She now needs to fight again, just like Charles Oliveira. I want to see her fight somebody in the tops um, at that division. Give her somebody like um, Jermaine Durandame. I think her versus Jermaine Durandame, somebody who was a title holder at 145 pounds, someone who's extremely dangerous and a lot of us acknowledge is one of the best in that weight class. I think that's who Aspen Ladd should fight next. But she did look incredible. She got that extra 50K. And uh, man, salute to her, bro. Um, great win. Um, but it's absolutely time to step it up. Um, in this card, yo, the ladies were killing it. The ladies were 100% killing it. Um, Megan Anderson who fought against Connecticut. I almost said Canada. Canada's very own Felicia Spencer. Megan Anderson, Felicia Spencer, and Chris Cyborg are the only women to have ever held Invicta Championships 145-pound belt. That says a lot. That means she's a beast. Megan Anderson, Felicia Spencer were the last two women to hold the belt. And this, I would say, maybe we can say is the number one contender fight or the who's going to fight Chris Cyborg next fight. Felicia Spencer goes out there and absolutely does work. I thought this was going to happen. She takes down Megan Anderson from the jump. Totally dominates on the ground game. Um, after the fight, she did call out Chris Cyborg. Chris Cyborg responds on Twitter and says, I'm 100% down. She sounds like she wants all the smoke. 
Um, she, like I said, Felicia Spencer ends up winning via rear naked choke against Megan Anderson. Um, she's 22. Or, I'm sorry, that's not her. But uh, like I said, she's undefeated. She's great. And it will be a fun fight. Uh, we need some blood in that 145-pound uh, weight class. And look, Megan Anderson got a short her, her ground game. She got beasted on the ground by Holly Holm, who's not known to be a grappler. And now she just got dominated on the ground by Felicia Spencer as well. Yo, Canada. Canada, you have one. Hate to say it, but this is probably Canada's best option to fight for a title um, and to win a title. Um, I would like to see what's going to end up happening next with her, but she's great to watch. Dominant ground game. Super tough, man. Um, I'm a big fan of Felicia Spencer. Um, the person who I believe stole the show of the weekend, we got to say, is the new addition to 170 pounds we gotta go with michelle piera out of brazil yo this dude is a star in the making man um he in it afterwards he said he wants to be the new showman in the ufc he went ahead and actually finished danny hot chocolate roberts in the very first round by spectacular flying knee huge flying knee that staggered danny roberts and then this man landed at thor's hammer and dropped uh daniel roberts didn't even have to land any more shots um Yo, first of all, I don't know how he makes 170 pounds. They said during the day of the fight, he was weighing, he walked around, he walked in uh, to the cage weighing 198. Crazy. Um, he's super huge for the weight class. He has a 22 and 8 record, so he has a lot of um, experience. But I'm going to say this just like Jessica Andrade, if they want him to be a big name in the sport, he needs to speak better English. I know it sounds trash, but it's true. If you don't speak English, no one's going to care. Um, he's exciting, though. My, my man came in the cage. You know, he's walking in. He's, he was crying. And a lot of people were clowning him. If you look at Twitter, people were straight clowning this dude. Like, look at this dude. You know, he's not ready. He's out here crying before his UFC debut. He has a couple at a background, went out there, jumping off the cage, super unpredictable, yo. This dude is dominant, this dude is fun, and he's somebody that's going to be reckoned with. I don't care if he has eight losses. He's fought all over the world, he has experience, and he's somebody who's going, he's a welcome, welcome addition uh, to that weight class, man. So, Yo, man, great weekend of fights uh, for the UFC. Um, obviously, great weekend in fights in boxing. I spoke about this a little bit uh, earlier uh, this week on my Saturday episode. Um, one championship. I all has continued to look amazing. Um, I question their their matchmaking um, with the fight with. Um, Cosmo Alexander's knockout of um, Super Sage Northcutt. And Sage Northcutt is somebody who, again, somebody, he's also, what, 23 years old, very, very young. Um, but I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know if he has it. He has eight fights in the UFC. He should have the experience. I'm going to be honest. I'm just going to say it now. He's the MMA's version of a bust. I, I don't ever believe he's going to be that guy. Looks like Tarzan fights like Jane. Just be honest with you. And I don't mean that a slight to ladies because we all know I know ladies can scrap. Um, but uh, he, I don't believe he's the guy. 
And this also, I am wishing him a speedy recovery because um, after uh, the uh, the fight, he actually put up a, um, a post on social media that said, and here I'm pulling it up for you guys, um, but he did say, uh, fresh out of surgery, I had eight fractures and a nine-hour intense operation. Feeling blessed for the amazing care and all the support from one championship, my family and friends and fans. My uh, Terminator face is not too shabby with a dead emoji. I'll be back. Next post is catheter removal. Stay tuned. Just kidding. Um, Yo, he looks fucked up in this picture. And uh, he definitely is all beat up. And you know what's amazing when you actually think about that? He had a nine-hour surgery and eight fractures off of one punch from Cosmo Alexander. Holy hell. When I said Cosmo hit him with Thor's hammer, I wasn't playing. That is crazy. Um, But wishing him a speedy recovery. Uh, Hope he gets back soon. Um, also one championship, which a lot of people didn't expect. Obviously they have their, um, kickboxing tournament with some of the greats of the greats and all the greats got upset. Yachts and Clyde Fairtex, one of my favorite got beat. Nikki Holskin got beat. albeit um, controversial, but still got beat. Carl Parisian, another one lost to a split decision. Carl, Carl Parisian. Out of Italy, one of, if not the greatest kickboxers of all time. This was one of the hugest um, upsets of all time. Actually, he um, lost to the gentleman who was the only guy, the guy who beat, last beat Stylebender in kickboxing. Um, Brazilian, one of Anderson Silva's training partners, monster. But and still, I saw the fight. I didn't think he won, but still, he beat up Caro, man. Crazy fight. One has continued doing it. Yo, Boxing, kickboxing, MMA, everything has been amazing. What a great weekend of fights. And a couple quick weekend news that I want to talk about. First and foremost, Jim Gray. Jim Gray, in my opinion, comes off as the loser of the weekend. And the reason I say it is this. During his post-fight interview with Deontay Wilder, Jim Gray goes out there and completely dismisses and shits on Dominic Brazil, saying, yo, this dude wouldn't nobody, didn't nobody want to see him anyways, what's next for you? And then he turns around after he says this and tries to interview Dominic Brazil. Dominic Brazil doesn't want to speak to him, says talk to his trainer, and then he completely disregards his trainer and starts to try to speak to Luis Ortiz, who doesn't speak any English. Didn't make sense. Jim Gray, you're better than that. Um, Dominic Brazil deserved better than that. And um, and Jim Gray uh, just it should do better. I mean, he, he looked dismissive. He looked elitist. He, he looked like shit. Um, I expect more from a Hall of Famer like Jim Gray. Um, this also was fun. Anthony Showtime Pettis. Obviously, you know, one of my favorites in the game. He's going to be fighting Nick Diaz coming up soon. But before he gets in the cage with Nick Diaz, he's going to have an epic grappling event against another one of my personal favorites in Latino brothers, Jorge Gamebred Masvidal, Mr. Three Piece Senesota. They've decided to get together, man, and they have a DT Promotions is going to be on pay-per-view Saturday, June 15th on 
ryounline.com in Pensacola, Florida. The event will also feature Yo Romero featuring featuring somebody, but it is a jujitsu super fights. All the uh, the the portions and proceeds go to bullyprooffoundation.com. Beautiful thing. I love uh that we've been seeing more and more of this coming up man it's a really really dope thing um i love it It, it's it's great and uh i like that we're able to see some of the biggest names in the sport uh, competing in a sport that they're not going to get injured on Uh, we saw ben Askren just do this against jordan burroughs we've seen john jones do this against dan henderson in flow combat matt mitrione just had um, a grappling event also over there submission underground there are some incredible submission grappling events out there that a lot of these big names are able to do and fans are able to really enjoy these events it's awesome man i love that they're doing this um I'm excited. Okay, what else can I say? I'm excited. Uh, is there anything else that I want to touch on? Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Um, Dustin Poirier. Congrats to Dustin Poirier. He was actually given the keys to Lafayette, Louisiana last week. Um, that's his hometown, uh, as it is Daniel Cormier's. That's super dope. Congrats to him. Ah, this is one that I definitely want to talk about. Um, a lot of us, even myself, I've been wanting to see Crone Gracie's return. Crone Gracie had an incredible matchup, beat Alex Caceres on, I believe it was the ESPN Plus like two. Uh, it was one of the big cards that they had. Um, but what's going to happen with Crone Gracie? When are we going to see him next? The, the last remaining Gracie that competes in the UFC. Well, it seems like there's been a lot of talking. Look, this is rumor mills. We'll see what happens. But Uriah Faber has been talking about coming back. And it seems like on July 13th in Sacramento, there's talks of Crone Gracie fighting against Uriah Faber in that event. Um, Those talks haven't materialized just yet. But we'll end up seeing what happens, man. Um, Remember, Faber is also going to be competing this upcoming weekend. And like I talked about, these jiu-jitsu matchups against Nikki Ryan, Gordon Ryan, in my opinion, um, along with um, some of those other guys with the Dan and her death squad, some of the best grapplers in the world. Um, Nikki Ryan is fighting against the 17-year-old. Nikki Ryan is competing against a 40-year-old Uriah Faber. Yo, if you haven't seen Nikki Ryan, the dude is a monster on the ground. He's been doing this since he was a kid. He's one of the best grapplers in the world. So uh, that should be fun. Um, yo, oh, speaking of one championship, um, Gary Tonin, also part of that Dinah Her Death Squad, moves to 5-0 five, five and no in his uh, MMA career. Killing it over there at one, man. Finishes one of his top opponents, with one of the most beautiful heel hooks that I've ever seen. Um, dude is a beast, man. So all in all, great fights this weekend. Um, man, great fights coming up. Great grappling events. Great boxing. Combat sports is here to stay. I love it. Um, we have some great interviews coming up this week. Um, we Brandon Camille will be joining me once again. And uh, yo... This is the Fight Podcast, man. This is our Monday post-fight weekend breakdown. I try to get a quick one in here for you guys so you can really enjoy it. And um, 
I will be back here next time. This is your host, Serge Vicente. This is episode 114 of the Fight Podcast. Remember, the Fight Podcast is brought to you each week by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meals and fitness mentoring. Sign up for Sage Eats at sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 15% off of your first three months. Also, follow the Fight Podcast on all social media platforms at the Fight Podcast. Follow me on ig and facebook at the surge v at surge vicente on twitter like i mentioned earlier follow me at the surge vicente i'm always talking about all the fights on twitter at the surge vicente check out our website thefightpodcast.com um and uh listen to us everywhere podcasts are available with that being said this is episode 114 i'm your boy surge Love you guys. Thank you as always for paying attention. We will see you right here next time, right here on The Fight Podcast. Come on.